0: The conservative conscience and welcome back to the cutting edge of conservative thought here at the conservative conscience, northern command center for conservative review, where there is so much going on in this wonderful week. Good week. What's looking to be an auspicious week for conservatives, hopefully, July 22nd here. And I was actually going to record early today. And I'm glad I didn't because, boy, is there a lot going on. I would have missed some of the most important pieces of information. And, man, is there stuff going on. Wow. Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Um, I I see, you know, it's so weird. I've never looked forward to Monday before like I did this week. Normally, you want the weekend to last forever and the weekdays to go by as quickly as possible. This 110 degree heat index, it was just out of control, and we all knew Monday the heat would break. Lo and behold, the day that I go back into my cave and never emerge until Friday afternoon so I can't enjoy the weather, and then when I could, I couldn't go outside. So I'm a little bit edgy, but um, really glad to be back. You know, we're making progress. We're making progress. I, I could sit and talk about a glass half empty, and there's a lot of that, and we are going to talk about that because, again, the job here is to focus on the unfinished jobs, and if there's stuff that people think the administration is doing but they're not doing, we got to point that out, and especially now that we're dealing with this budget bat. but today, I meant to do woe and lamentation. Steve Days calls me the prophet of woe and lamentation to lament how our country has become a dumping ground for everything. There are so many cases I'm dealing with trying to get information, sex offenders, child molesters left and right. We're bringing in from, from central America, gang members, terrorists, you name it, health concerns, a lot of news on all of the fronts we've been focusing on the last six to eight months or so. But, we're still going to talk about that, but actually the Trump administration is now doing something about it that I think solves many of these issues. And one by one, they're starting to address our list of 10, 15 items that we demanded for them to do. So we're going to talk about how our country is in mortal danger from what they're in, our country is in danger how the Trump administration is doing some good steps to solve this, and what more they need to be doing. Tall order for the day, so let's get started. I first just want to enter into our exhibit here, first piece of evidence, an article from Voice of Europe that I think is important just to frame the grave danger we're in, how we stand at the cusp Maybe we crossed that already. I don't know. I hope we didn't, but we got to fight it anyway, of becoming like Europe. We talked about a little bit on Friday before we had Colonel Dan on to talk about Iran, and there's boys. There are a lot going on there. We don't have time to get into it today. But we talked about the problem, how a lot of people believe that immigration is so nice and beautiful And it's only good and there's no bad and we shouldn't be discerning about how many, what type, from where, over what period of time. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Just immigration, dude, we're good people. And we pointed out how, no, when you have irresponsible immigration, you're not good people. Because in Europe now, Jews cannot live there in many places because you've turned it into a caliphate. So I just wanted to talk about this article a little bit, Voice of Europe, middle-aged Iraqi migrant who raped and murdered 14-year-old Jewish girl sentenced to life in prison. So at least, unlike the one we spoke about on Friday that the judge wants to let off because he's a pothead, at least this guy got sentenced to life in prison. Now, who knows if that's going to hold. But I remember this case, but I think it's just worth repeating in, in the context of what we talked about Friday and what we're going to talk about today. Ali Bashar, a 22-year-old Iraqi Migrant who raped and murdered 14 year old Susanna Feldman has been convicted and sentenced to life in prison by a German court in Weisbaden. Although the migrant had taken responsibility for the murder, he continued to claim that the girl had contested had consented to have intercourse with him. (laughs) Um, Obviously, the judge presiding over the case said that Ali voiced no sincere word of regret nor remorse or empathy for killing the teenage girl. Um, In a separate case, Ali is accused of having raped an 11 year old girl in Germany repeatedly. He has also been linked to a robbery that took place in April, 2018. The 22 year old Iraqi migrant had first come to Germany as an asylum seeker in October, 2015, but had his application rejected the following year. After appealing the decision, Ali was able to stay in Germany until the next decision. You're going to see how this is so important. Why you can't adjudicate an invasion. Why you got to stuff it at the border. And if you don't catch it there, you got to deport them right away. Because lawfare takes over with tragic consequences. So basically, in May of 2018, he met the 14-year-old girl in a wooded area in in western Germany. After assaulting her and raping her. Bashar strangled Feldman to death before burying her small potty in a shallow grave. Do we want America to become like that? That's the question we need to ask. So that is the first important piece of news I wanted to share with you. At least that guy has gotten life, um, life in prison. I don't know if there's parole or not. But I want to read to you another point to frame what we're talking about, just to uh, to frame this issue. This was a letter written to Donald Trump by none other than Mahmoud Ahmadinejad about two years ago. It was shortly after Trump took office. and the former Iranian leader. Sent the following note, and I I, I want to bring this up today to frame this issue because it's very important in understanding the weaponization of open borders and immigration. The developments in the current existence of America today is the result of immigration of a variety of nations to that land. The presence and constructive effort of the elite and scientists of different nations, including the million-plus population of my Iranian compatriots, has had a major role in the development of the U.S., it is necessary that the spirit of the policies ruling the U.S. value respect toward the diversity of nations and races. In other words, the contemporary U.S. belongs to all the nations, including the natives of the land. No one may consider themselves the owner and view others as guests or immigrants. So it was just, I mean, you could laugh because it's funny. You have the genocidal maniac that called for the liquidation of Jews say, hey, you know, we got to be pluralistic here. You know, America belongs to everyone. You, you got to remember that, Trump. And uh, this is the point. In the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, it opens up by saying there is a time for everything, okay? There is a time for violence, meaning fighting for good things. There's a time to build. There's a time to destroy. All sorts of things like that. Time to be born. Or time to be die. Time to plant. Time to uproot. A time for war. Time for Peace. In that vein, there's a time for an open, a more open border, and there's time for a more closed border. Obviously, always immigration has to be very careful that we only know, we know 100% that we are only bringing in good people. In other words, the desire to bring in good people should never be an excuse to bring in a single bad person. We should never, ever, ever let in any bad person in any way that will harm us. And financially, health-wise, much less security-wise, even if that means keeping out good people, as opposed to the opposite, that never preventing any bad person from coming in if it's going to mean that maybe some good people can't come in. That should always be the case, but certainly now that we're 50 years into a massive legal immigration that's been very irresponsible. And decades into illegal immigration that has just exacerbated everything, where we have too many security threats from the Middle East in our country, where we have too many people from Latin America with a culture of drunk driving, with a culture of of child molestation, where we have too many public charges, too many health concerns. Now is a time – even if you're more of an open border person, everyone would agree that temporarily – we should suspend certainly all illegal all illegal immigration and really a sane country would have you know somewhat of a moratorium on most legal immigration until we start to realize what is it we want in in our future because you see that our biggest genocidal enemies are using the language of the left they view immigration as the way to undermine america so you got to be very careful with that what types we bring in, from where, more now than ever before. So with that, I want to go around and and share some cases with you that we're dealing with. First, we have the case that I wrote about today from Oregon. So a lot of you are seeing, and this broke on Friday, a lot of it, but I didn't get a chance to put this out, a lot of you are seeing that... um, ICE is making arrests at courthouses and the left is uh, protesting this. A freaking federal judge violated 130 years of case law in Massachusetts and said, in Massachusetts, you can't arrest people at courthouses. Do you know why ICE has to go to courthouses? Do you know why they have to go there? Because the local political leaders are having their police departments prevent, uh, deny detainers even on the worst human beings. So in case you are wondering, is there a limit, is there a floor to the insanity of states like Oregon, sanctuary states that violate federal federal law, by, by the way? AUSC 1373, it is there is a prohibition on them preventing local law enforcement from sharing information with the feds. That is a violation of law. Moreover, 1324 violates them, uh, prohibits them from inducing, encouraging, shielding from detection, harboring, you name it. They violate it every day. Why leadership in DHS and DOJ haven't done a better job dealing with this, I don't know. But the good news is that they're s- slowly starting to adopt some of our request so i'm going I'm to try to hit on this as much as i can i'm going to try to hit on the things that they're not doing as well while thanking them for doing the right thing on some of the things they are implementing and they are starting to turn some people back not all people and they are starting to implement expedited removal which we're going to talk about in a minute but anyway the daily astorian in, in um astoria oregon Right, this is a beautiful county in the Northwest, a beach county, but also has mountains in it. You know, one of those Western uh, uh, areas on the coast that have mountains and beach. Um, This is Clatsop County. So there was a video of immigration rights activists getting very violent with ICE, where ICE had to pepper spray them. And all the media and all these organizations, like all these Nazi stormtroopers, they come in a courthouse, kick in the doors, throw people to the ground, and just do what they want. What everyone forgets is this guy, Fabian Alberto Zamora Rodriguez, is a child molester. On February 27th, yes, that was a long time ago, February 27th. Zamora was caught in an online child sex thing by the local sheriff's deputies for planning a sexual rendezvous with an 11-year-old at a park, and he was apprehended there, so they caught him. He was booked on one count each of first and second degree online sexual corruption of a child, two counts of attempted use of a child in a sexual explicit display, and eight counts of encouraging child sexual abuse in the first degree. He used online communications to make detailed plans to meet the child in person twice. He only followed through with it once, and thankfully he was caught. He's also allegedly um, pressured a person he believed to be 11 to send him lewd images online. Ice, I'm not going to tell you how I know this because I'm going to get to this in a minute. Ice lodged a detainer on this guy in early March, right? A day or two or three later, right, you know, because this is the end of February. And they did not cooperate. Even in this case. So the only thing ICE can do is either they get him in the in the jail or they get him at the courthouse, because often at the courthouse, and especially in these liberal places, which we're gonna see in a minute, they let them out on bond. They let them out on bond. And then they lose track of them. So this is the way to ensure that we get this guy. Now, first of all, I would sure hope that ICE is culling the list of sex, the sex uh, registries in the various states. How do? How is it, and this is not in this case, but I'm just saying in general, uh, we've reported on cases like this before, that you have a single illegal alien on a sex registry. Meaning, by definition, if you're here illegally, shouldn't you be removed right away so that... <laughs> you're not living here on a sex registry you know i wish we could deport all Americans but who who are like that but we can i mean has it gone this far that the immigrant rights groups will get violent and protest ice even deporting a child molester and the answer is yes that's what we see here but there's something i didn't report and i'm not going to tell you how i know it But ICE couldn't tell me anything. And I was thinking, well, why couldn't ICE tell me this guy's immigration history? It was was weird. Why couldn't they tell me his history? He's in their custody. Usually they could tell me more if, if he's in their custody as opposed to just having a detainer held over on the local custody. So I was a little bit perturbed. I'm going to tell you what I found out. This man was in the process of applying for a U visa. A U visa is one of the many avenues that illegals could finagle themselves into status because we allow them to remain here too long because for too long, and this is where it's going to get so important to talk about Trump's remedy, listening to our recommendation that we made in April, thank God, to do expedited removal. But if you don't, they have all sorts of statuses where we have the persecutors uh, pretending to be persecutees. Now, a lot of these statuses, they made sense. Like we leave over – generally, we have a sovereign country. You come here illegally, you're done. You can't come here, we'll deport you. Now, we leave discretionary, and this is the key word, discretionary Um Decisions in the hands of the Attorney General, DHS Secretary, look, if this guy is going you know, to be a star witness in a trial, if they're a victim of this or a victim of that, you have the avenue if you want to give them a certain status. But you certainly don't have to. Now, previous administrations have really abused this, and that's how we have so many people in this country to this day that have green cards and even American citizenship, and it was totally stolen. From the American people because they're horrible people, they're illegal aliens, and they should not have been given that status. But increasingly, what you're having is the worst human beings say that, you know, they themselves are involved in child sex and murder, cartels, gangs. And the thing is, they could put on an application that they fear for their lives, because they often often it's true. You have rival bad people fighting the, each other. And then that allows them to stay in the country. Pending their application, and because there's so many, there's such a backlog, and it takes forever. Oh, you can't deport me. I'm applying for a U visa. But it's even worse than that. Even after the person is caught doing a crime and ICE apprehends them, evidently, if they applied for a U visa, not only could ICE not release to the public that the guy is a U visa applicant, but because he is a U visa applicant, they can't even tell you anything about the rest of his immigration history. Whether there was a detainer ignored, I happened to find out there was. But ICE could not tell me that. So I wanted you guys to know that. That is what's happening here. So that's got to be clamped down on the U visas, and they got to clamp down on 1324s and 1373s. Like, I'm sick of this business. Oh, there's nothing we can do. The locals don't cooperate. Our hands are tied. What do you mean your hands are tied? You're the feds. And now I'm not blaming ICE. It's the political leadership at DHS headquarters and DOJ. They need to shut this down. But more in that vein, if you notice, Ken Cuccinelli started tweeting out, and and I kind of got him on this kick of going through all these cases of how illegals were allowed to remain in the country and then go on to commit terrible crimes. And thank God he's been on this case. He showed if you go into Ken Cuccinelli's Twitter feed, you should all follow it. I'm um, at USCIS Cuccinelli. Um, they have a list of the 22 people and, uh, you know, kind of like a deck of cards with their, their pictures. And he goes through a bunch of cases here where there were major issues. Jose Swagger. And then he puts in parentheses, maybe not anymore. <laughs> you know, he can, he, Ken, Ken has a good sense of humor. Flores Castro, age 21 entered illegally He was given a final final order of removal July 2016. July 2016. Think about that. If you look at the indictment, Flores is not to be mixed up with the stupid uh, court settlement on holding minors in ICE detentions, but this guy Flores according to indictment, on April 7th, 2018, so well over a year after he should have been gone, this was in the Angeles National Forest. He is charged, along with several others, of maliciously, you know, murdering this guy identified as JHK, JHC in the indictment. This was the dismemberment in that canyon in, in, the, in the forest. So that is... One guy there, and he goes through a bunch of others. So, first of all, one was given a special immigrant juvenile visa. So, you remained in the country. The SIJs is another thing that's completely abused. And then three of them had you, what were applying for, you guessed it, you visas. If you notice, There's something very important here. Everyone's talking about the problem that there's 1 million people in the country, over 1 million with final deportation orders, that haven't been deported. The reason for that is because we haven't been following the law. They're not entitled to an immigration judge, which then once they get it, there's a process, and they wait forever, and they're bonded out. They have bond hearings, and then they don't show up, so they're ordered – In abstentia, they're ordered deported, but we don't know where they are. And then then the numbers grow, and they grow, and they grow. There is no need for that process. That process is lawless. Once you allow them to stay, the immigration judges, first of all, a lot of the immigration judges are jerks, but all the immigration lawyers and every poor MS-13 guy around has endless pro bono lawyers. It's the special juvenile visa. It's the U visa. It's you name it. They get into status or they just abscond and they get away and they get away. This is why expedited removal is so important. The first time you catch them, you are out. No way, Jose. You are out of here. Done. You got to cut the lawfare off at the head. That is the lesson of all of this. I want to share with you another case that is just going to blow your mind. This I saw over the weekend. I think it happened on Thursday. It was put out on Thursday by the local um, affiliate, uh, ABC affiliate in Montgomery County, Maryland. Now, as we reported before, the counties surrounding Washington, D.C., both on the Maryland and Virginia side, are saturated with MS-13. Why? Well, Maryland has the highest uh, population of Salvadorans, so, you know. Not every Salvadoran is going to be MS-13, but a heck of a lot of them are. And that's what we're bringing into this country. Um, So listen to this story. I'm going to read this whole thing, or most of it, because I think it's very important. A Montgomery County judge granted an accused pedophile um, a pathetically affordable bond after that man attempted to break into a teenage girl's home, a prosecutor told ABC 7. So this is even a Montgomery... County prosecutor was pissed. Miguel Angel Martinez Menjivar, 25, of Northwest D.C., faces a list of criminal counts, including fourth-degree sexual offense against a 14-year-old and malicious destruction of property. According to court records, the 14-year-old victim's mother learned her daughter was engaging in a nine-month sexual relationship with Martinez Menjivar, then 23 years old. She made the unsettling discovery after staff at her daughter's middle school located pregnancy tests in a backpack. A few nights later... The victim's mother answered, knocks at the door. Basically, the guy um, went around and and broke into the girl's window and walked walked through the window after punching it in. Shards of glass fell onto the 14-year-old girl and her 9-year-old brother as they slept in bed directly below the window. Both siblings suffered cuts to their legs and had to be treated by paramedics. So... First of all, it's just important to keep in mind that the victim, I can't prove this because they'll never obviously give me certainly information on victims. They don't give information on perpetrators, is likely illegal. I mean, you know, just the circumstances, you would imagine they're illegal. They could be illegal, but it's very likely they're illegal. So again, by having our weak policies, you know, if you're not going to at least enforce the laws for Americans, do it for the foreign national victims. You know, because Americans don't matter, of course, and I thought only illegals matter, so I figure at least we're concerned about illegal children, right? Well, no, we're only concerned about illegal children who die of natural causes, and then we blame it on Border Patrol. We're not concerned of illegal victims' children who are sexually molested by other illegals. That, that, That doesn't matter. Now, here's an important point. Although willing to speak by telephone, Martinez Menjivar declined to come to the police station, claiming he had just started a new job and it was pressed for time. Authorities first filed charges in July 2018, but for reasons that remain unknown, did not locate Martinez Menjivar until last month, nearly a year after this thing happened. Just let him go again. People are here illegally. The worst thing that could be uh, worst thing imaginable. Not only don't they more aggressively try to seek out immigration status just so we can get him out of the country and we don't have to deal with the sex offender, they go out of their way, like it appears in this case, to let him go. But then even after they got him, Montgomery County District Court Judge Patricia Mitchell, piece of garbage that woman, granted Martinez Menjivar a five thousand dollar bond. Five thousand dollars. That allowed this guy to be released in exchange for a five hundred dollar payment. Now the judge blame the the prosecutor blames this on Annapolis, the state legislature, pushing out of control bond. So and that is a separate problem, you know. And we're going to try to get into this this week as the first three thousand federal prisoners get released under that stupid first step jailbreak act. Remember, this is the next step. All the states are now trying to abolish bond or make it very low. These are the people who get out. It turns out this guy is an illegal alien from El Salvador. ICE placed a detainer on him. I think they did cooperate, but this was only the second time around, a year later when they caught him. But guess what? In immigration, so ICE got a hold of him, So we always talk about the importance of ICE because, you know, a lot of these guys get out on bond and then they could run away and do more crimes. At least this way, ICE has an immigration hold. So even if not for the criminal charge, but the, you know, immigration charge, they ensure the guy doesn't get away. But you know what? It's not so true all the time because guess what? You have immigration judges that give them bond. And in this case, the guy got out on bond again by an immigration judge. Here's the important point. If you implement expedited removal and you catch these guys within two years of when they come, they should be be removed without anything. I'm going to finish that point. I just want to introduce one more piece of evidence into the conservative conscience court case here. And again, another way America's becoming a dumping ground. Alleged, this is from Breitbart, alleged ISIS sniper entered U.S. from Kazakhstan on diversity visa lottery. A man charged with joining the Islamic State as a sniper and firearms instructor originally came to the United States to the diversity visa lottery. Ruslan Maratovich Asainov, 42 years old, was charged last week in Brooklyn, New York, federal court for aiding ISIS in 2013 when he allegedly traveled to Turkey and Syria to fight for the terrorist group. According to USCIS, he first arrived through the diversity visa lottery in February 1999. Folks, it's been almost two years since we had that New York subway attacker from Uzbekistan come here on a diversity visa lottery. And we promised to get rid of it. Folks, just a few years ago, this was maybe twenty eleven, the House voted to get rid of it. The previous decade is my like 2006 or so, a bipartisan majority in the House voted to get rid of it. Yet not a sing yet, since this has happened, not a single Republican run committee when they had the House and then when they lost the House, at least in the Senate has voted to end something that is so universally scorned. So universally scorned. Okay? Nothing. We've got nothing. Nothing here. Could you imagine that? Our country is becoming a garbage dump for all of this. The worst things you could imagine. Now, before I get to the garbage dump of health concerns and the latest on that, I do want to get to expedited removal. So look, we're going to take this a balanced approach here. <clears throat> I'm going to take yes for an answer as the administration listens I'm going to praise them for it. But also underscore the need to stand behind it fully against the courts and really stand behind it because that, that that's what they got to do. And also do other things that they're not doing yet. So some of you might have seen this earlier today. And this was a bombshell because I didn't know what was coming. I thought they were going to shy away from this, but I called for it in April. They did it. Today, I mean, it's going to take a little while to implement it. But they're publishing a notice in the Federal Register to change the regulation to actually, for the first time ever, implement expedited removal. What is expedited removal? You're going to hear a lot of things. Oh, Trump's being a Nazi. Oh, Trump is doing all this sorts of stuff. Let me tell you something. What Trump is doing, if they follow through with it is implementing one of the most foundational, sane laws that passed nearly unanimous in 1996, but for 23 years has not been implemented. It is the strongest law. It is stronger than anything that you could possibly pass in the future. There's no reason to pass anything in the future. This is it. Many people wonder, based on everything we're saying, why do we need to adjudicate our way out of an invasion? A lot of people are wondering this. Well, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? You're here illegally illegally? I get this all the time from from average Americans, legal immigrants. Like I don't understand. You're here illegally. You're out of here. What's with this court and process, immigration judge, bail, final deportation order, this, that? What is going on here? And the reason is all of this cancer has been able to metastasize for one reason. Because Bush, Clinton, and Obama refused to implement this law to its full extent. Even before this law, it's important to remember, 1954, Operation Wetback. Eisenhower returned hundreds of thousands, possibly a million illegal aliens without any recorded evidence in the history of any litigation, any court case, order. We talk a lot about, oh, a million people with final deportation orders, but you don't need deportation orders. You don't need an immigration judge. If an immigration officer, officer, not judge, ICE, Border Patrol, if they catch you, if you don't have a claim of being an American citizen or having a green card, you're out of here. You're out of here. So in order, and that, that was always true, that was always true in our case law for years, the courts said that, but Congress finally codified it very officially and very boldly in 1996. IRA IRA that's what it's called the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996 section 235b1a1 and 3 of the INA that whenever an immigration officer determines that an alien is inadmissible quote the officer shall Order the alien removed from the United States without further hearing or review unless the alien indicates either an intention to apply for asylum under Section 1158 or a fear of persecution. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But generally, let's just put that aside. If you're not applying for asylum, anyone else should be removed. There's no court case, and then they could get you out in a bond hearing, and you have a sex offender, an MS-13 guy that's just let loose. No you're gone. you're completely gone. Statute makes it clear that if you look at the um, the existing regulation, 8 CFR 235.3b12 that this applies to any illegal alien, caught within the United States within two years of their infiltration anytime okay any alien that fails to establish quote to the satisfaction of the immigration officer not judge officer that they have been physically present in the United States continuously for a two-year period they're gone the commissioner, this is back when we had the INS, now it's the ICE director, shall have the sole discretion to apply the provisions of Section 235B1 at any time to any class of aliens described in this section. Okay? And, and it's very simple. The law was implementing a very simple concept. That illegal aliens don't have rights to be here. They don't have due process. They don't have anything. Again, if I want to convict you criminally and lock you up, I want to actively prosecute you, then you have a a trial. But if all I want to do is merely enforce our sovereignty and say, look, you're in my house, get out. There's no immigration judge, much less an Article 3 judiciary federal judge to get involved. Okay, I want to just read to you the philosophy in an 1893 court case, Feng Ting the U.S., by the way, this was Justice Gray, the author of the Birthright Citizenship case, just FYI, Wong Kim Ark, quote, the order – this is a very important quote here. The order of deportation is not a punishment for crime. It is not a banishment in the sense in which the word is often applied to the expulsion of a citizen from his country by way of punishment. It is but a method of enforcing the return to his country of an alien who has not complied with the conditions upon the performance of which the government of the nation, acting within its constitutional authority and through the proper departments, has determined that his continuing to reside here shall depend. He has not, therefore, been deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And the provisions of the Constitution, securing the right of trial by jury and prohibiting unreasonable searches and seizures and cruel and unusual punishments, have no application. So when all these a-holes say, oh, you need a criminal warrant or illegal search and seizure or illegal this, you can't do this, or he's entitled to a judge, that is not true. This is good law. This is settled law. This is held upheld by 130 years of case law. So really, it should apply to any alien. But Congress said, look, okay, if you could prove to the satisfaction of of an agent that you've been here more than two years, okay, maybe you've established some ties here. Then, not that you get to stay, but you get to go in front of an immigration judge. But certainly, anyone caught less than two years. And the point is, if we go and do this at the front end, you're going to have fewer people that get into that post-two-year deadline. But what happened was... The Clinton and Bush administrations only implemented the law basically at – it was within 100 miles of the border within 14 days rather than anywhere within two years. And even then, they really only apply it right at the border and really only apply it to a small number of people. That's how we've had all this lawlessness of endless, needless crimes that have been committed in this country by people pursuant to a law that passed by voice vote – This law, among many other things, 287G was in there. Barring in-state tuition for illegals was in there. A lot of things was in this bill. But it passed unanimously. It passed almost unanimously in the House. Do you know who voted for it? Nancy Pelosi. She said at the time, I agree with my colleagues that we must curb illegal immigration responsibly and effectively. James Clyburn, Steny Hoyer, the top three House members all voted for it. Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin were in the House then. They voted for it. Diane Feinstein, Patrick Leahy, and Patty Murray voted for it in the Senate. And really, every, if you include the final vote, the voice vote, Joe Biden and anyone who was there at the time voted for it. So Donald Trump, make no mistake, you're going to hear a lot of howling and noise. He is merely implementing a common-sense law that would have precluded this entire crisis of the last 20 years, a law voted by both the current House and Senate Democrat leaders. And that's the important thing. Why is this so important? Why have I been frantically calling for this? Because we are closely reaching the two-year marker of when this latest iteration of Central Americans who have been caught and released have got into this country. And if you don't implement this soon, they're going to surpass that two-year marker. We cannot fight this court case by court case. Now, I have to watch carefully how they drafted this. There is one concern I have with the drafting. Sometimes they get a little too mealy mouth. They need to categorically say, we are fully implementing the law, that's it. So the, court would, the courts, when they attack it, are going to downright have to say, the law is unconstitutional. Now, they've done that before, but it's, this is going to be very hard. Something unanimously passed by Congress. But remember, in addition to 1 million people with final deportation orders, there's another 1.4 million with plain deportation orders that aren't final, meaning they're pending appeal. Why should we have to go through appeals of another 1.4 million and then eventually another 10 million people, 15 million, who knows how many, when so many of them, especially the more recent ones, are not entitled to any of this process? So this is this is probably the biggest news of the year if they follow through with it, that they are finally implementing exped- expedited removal. You don't need an immigration judge you are not entitled to any due process this is how we don't this is how we avoid getting into a scenario where people remain here so long a bipartisan consensus recognize that that you allow them to get here too long they have they start agitating for rights then they apply for all these things you got to right away nip it in the bud now there's something very important here the burden of proof is on the alien in other words it's it's even stronger than, oh, if you're here two years, you have the right to be here. No, you have to prove to the satisfaction of the uh, bo- uh, the ICE officer or border agent that you have been residing here for two consecutive years. And if not, he could deport you immediately. And that determination, as long as a supervisor, supervisor agent has to sign off on it as long as he does that decision, I want to be very clear is unreviewable by an immigration judge, much less an article three federal judge. So in other words, theoretically, let's say an illegal alien shows an ice agent. um 10 years of uh, utility bills say, look, I, I resided in Maryland for 10 years. The agent could say, I think that's bull. I think that's a false alias you're giving me that you'd engage in identity theft. I don't think that's real. I'm not convinced it's real. You're deported. You might think, oh, okay, so now it goes to the courts and he shows the evidence and we have a court. No. (laughs) It has to, that, because they knew, Congress knew when they wrote the bill that if you leave this loophole, oh, an agent gets to deport you, but, you know, you get to have a fight over the two years. Well, then, again, if you're going to say every decision gets to be reviewable, what's the point of having it review, you know, the bar to review if they could review the determination? So that's what I'm saying. It's so strong that even if the agent like is is, is, is lying, even if the agent is like, really, he was here for more than he was like, screw it. I think he's not. That is unreviewable. So we explain how this works at the interior. Now you might say, okay, Daniel, what about at the border? Doesn't it say that if they say that they have a credible fear, you can't do expedited rem- removal. Now, first of all, very few are claiming exp- uh, a credible fear. And this is the way to jam them right away. Right away, everyone, you tag them with ER, expedited removal. Now, if they go and defensively claim asylum against a deportation, credible fear, here's the deal. That still doesn't entitle them to a court. The Attorney General, DHS Secretary, could write regulations, which they're in the process of doing. You're bogus. Have the asylum officer and, and 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 again, you could deputize ICE and Border Patrol to make that determination, so you don't even have to give it over to USCIS. They're like, okay, uh, that's bullcrap. There's no credible fear. Violence is down in Central America. We know this is crazy. You're gaming us out. You're you're an economic migrant. That then. It's, it's not like an exception to expedited removal. It's a little bit of a bubble. If you had a diagram of the immigration process, okay, stop. One more process, credible fear. We could turn that down within 24 hours, and then you're back in expedited removal. But if you don't initially put them in there, then even if you turn down the credible fear, then you have to go through what's called the whole 240 process, even for a regular deportation order through, through, an, through an IJ, an immigration judge. I'm sorry I'm talking very quickly. There's just a lot of information to give over in a short period of time. Let me just get a drink here. Man, my throat is dry. The Congressional Research Service explains this regarding the lack of judicial jurisdiction. When we say that the courts have no jurisdiction, it means the following. The jurisdictional bar applies, meaning that they can't hear the case. To claims that an immigration officer improperly placed an alien in expedited removal. Challenging, challenges to an immigration officer's credible fear determination. That's a key one. Arguments challenging the procedures and policies implemented by DHS to expedite removal. And claims contesting the expedited removal order itself. Done. Trump administration needs to stand behind that and to say that a court can't even review the case. Period, done, open and shut. We're going to watch this very closely. This is very, very important. But I wanted to get that out today. Very important. So um, we went through a lot of cases. The next thing I want to mention, finally, is health concerns. On the one hand, it looks like at El Paso, they are turning a lot of people back, but they're not yet turning people back at the biggest problem, which is the RGV sector in the far east of Texas. One of the things I'm noticing is that we are getting a lot more people from Venezuela. This is very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Very disturbing trend. I'm looking at the Texas numbers here. Last week, meaning from a week ago Wednesday to last Wednesday, Wednesday Wednesday's the end date, July 17th, there were 189 Venezuelans caught at our border. That's already a lot for one week. The week before it was 99. The weeks before it was holding around 40, 50. In May, it was around 30. April, around 20. Before that, just a trickle. So I've watched these numbers carefully. Those numbers are going up. Let me tell you, there's potentially millions of Venezuelan migrants. Most of them have gone south through through South America, Argentina, Brazil. Obviously Colombia got slammed. But this is a sign that they're turning north. And let me tell you folks, with Venezuela being a proxy of Iran, Russia and China and Turkey, that is a very and Cuba, that is a very scary national security threat. But it's also a health threat. So CDC basically put out a statement in April and said that the entire health infrastructure in Venezuela has collapsed. There's measles there. There's dengue fever, chagas, you name it. um, Mumps, malaria, yellow fever, and yes, polio. Polio vaccines have gone down. And they're no longer confident that we could protect from polio. These people need to be turned back immediately pursuant to 1182A1 and 1222, which requires the proof of vaccinations, which they do not have. We need to nip this in the bud because this is the next shoe to drop. I'm warning you guys. In addition, while the numbers are generally going down a little bit from Central America... 1,100 people caught from Africa since May 30th. I'm just looking just from last week, 45 people from Angola. They're coming from Benin. They're coming from Cameroon. 26 from Cameroon. Obviously, Democratic Republic of Congo, Plain Congo, Ghana. Five people from Uzbekistan. That's not Africa, but that's uh, security concerns. 27 from Bangladesh, 32 the week before. Two from Iran. Huh. I'm just going down the numbers here. Folks, that is a very grave concern. I don't know why we're not enforcing that. But that that needs they need to be turned right back. Now, some of you might have seen I put out on my Twitter Saturday night that I heard that a processing station, the Rio Grande City, that's in the RGV, it's in Star County, was shut down. It turned out that the measles, they did, they thought that a toddler had measles, but the test was negative, and now they were testing for rubella. So that's the latest on that. At least that's what they're claiming, that, the, that it wasn't a measles case. It looked like it, so now they're testing for rubella. But again, remember folks, this is a very big problem. America has become a dumping ground for the worst diseases we've kept out, a rash of child molestation, MS-13, and terrorism. Meanwhile, you have so much with the countries now. Remember, Iran understands the power, like we said from Ahmadinejad, like we've said from Rouhani, drugs, migrants, terrorism, of the weaponization of immigration, illegal, legal loopholes. And then through all this, you got Venezuela, which is a proxy, collapsing and they're coming north. Remember, there's a lot of native Spanish speakers whose names are Arabic, because there's several hundred thousand Arab diaspora in Venezuela. As well as the health concerns. Our voice is being heard, we're getting out, but I need you guys to really go pedal to the metal. Give this show to everyone. I got to run now, put out another article, but um, hope this show was helpful. Again, some good news. We're going to report the bad news. We're going to tell the truth like it is. Even when we relaunch the show through video, it's going to be the same thing, just a format to go out out on YouTube where everyone could hear it now. Everyone could see it. This is the only place you're going to get this information, so we're going to keep it coming. We're going to also have good guests coming up. Send me your comments, concerns, and questions at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at Conservative till tomorrow. God bless y'all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.